Um, this is the best of Emirates Lit Fest, the Boundless Book Club, and Spoken For, all wrapped into one. From the Emirates Literature Foundation in Dubai, I'm Andrea. And I'm Ahlam. And today we're doing something a little bit different from our regular programming. For many years, people have been talking about the decline of the book with shorter attention spans and a general thirst for instant gratification. But while that may be true, we've seen reading and books make a major mainstream comeback since the start of the pandemic. So instead of interviewing an author or recommending books, Today, we're going to dive into the results of a study that we've just published about trends in literature with our partners from Four Communications. If you want to read the full report, you will be able to find the link in the show notes. And with us today, dialing in from London, we have Truda Sprout, who is the Managing Director of Culture at Four Communications, where her clients include the International Booker Prize, the Bailey Gifford Prize for Nonfiction, and many others. Also with us today, we have Natalie Amos, who's the Managing Director of Lifestyle Mina. Welcome to you both, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you. Now, in 2021, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there. In 2021, more than 800 million paper books were sold, which was an increase of nearly 9%. Audiobook sales are growing at a phenomenal rate of 25% a year, and there's a projected growth of 15% in the number of e-readers by 2023. So like Kindles, I'm a massive Kindle reader, so I can see how that is growing. Truda, can I just start with asking you, why do you think we're seeing this global rise in literature consumption? Well, I think there are a number of factors. The one that you mentioned at the, the top of the programme, the pandemic, it, it certainly kick-started um, a, a reading renaissance. It was one of the few things, few cultural things that people could consume in the normal way. So if things like theatre, yes, they, they got that kind of uh, the, the, the screen version of that, but, but actually books, they could have the normal relationship that they had with them. They were spending more time at home. Uh, it was a very kind of comforting thing to do, but it's proved sticky. It's not It's not that people sort of embraced reading during the pandemic and then stopped again once they could go out. As you can see from those figures that you've you've mentioned, um, all kinds of books are on the rise, as you said, e-books, uh, paper books and audio books. And um, there was a, a reading agency, which is a UK charity, did a survey the other week to coincide with World Book Night, and they found that 25% of people said Yes, they started reading more in the pandemic, but they've kept reading more. Obviously, there are others who, as they got busier, have dropped off a bit. But but it's been a it's been a real boost. Um, so something good about that. Um, but there are other factors. Um, I think you know in the report. Um, this discussion of, of the rise of social media and books and people sharing about books and booktubers have been immensely popular for, for a long time and now of course we've got the the rise and rise of book talk and i think that makes people feel part of a community uh, reading isn't just a solitary practice it's something that people can do together and and um you know find other people with with those interests but i think perhaps the most um most of all, reading fulfills a need for, for being absorbed and getting into sort of the flow of things. So you talked about that kind of short attention spans and distractions. I think people are roundly fed up with, with being in several different places at once and four or five different screens and they want to just be absorbed in the book. I think, uh, I'm not sure whether it was um, mentioned in this research, but uh, young people particularly prefer print books 
because they actually like to be away from screens if they, they, they think they they spend far too much time although as you say andrea uh, kindles can be a brilliant way of accessing reading too certainly if you're traveling it's a brilliant way to take a lot of books with you in, in one go absolutely um Natalie, you're based here in the UAE. Could you talk to us about how the Middle East is different from the global market? Absolutely. So um, similarly to what Truda was saying, we're seeing that people are continuing to have that real passion, that real love of books and for reading. But what we found in our research, which we absolutely thought was fascinating, that during the pandemic for one year afterwards, that people globally were talking more about books and more about reading. So that actually increased by 3% um, globally, but actually in the Middle East, that increased by 7%, which shows that people are talking a lot more about books they're talking a lot more about reading and that kind of engagement I suppose for want of a better word with the spoken word really intensified during that time frame um, we think that there's quite a lot behind that so it's obviously not just the pandemic that's led that so there's been a number of amazing initiatives um, in the region there's been prizes such as the international prize for Arabic fiction which has really driven this interest in you know um, Arab literature and what it brings to the world and how that can be brought to the world through the through the written word and the spoken word. There's hugely successful successful book festivals, such as of course Emirates Lit Fest. Um, there's things such as Sharjah Book Fair, which is incredibly well established. And there's the Arab Reading Challenge, for example, which was established many years ago, really to nurture that love of reading and make reading a habit. So really instill that as a habit within people in the region. So those results, those things have really paid off over the years and people are very much you know engaged with books and we we thought that that was absolutely fascinating to see how that has really sort of intensified and we saw that increasing more during the pandemic and afterwards the research there's also a part of the research that shows that there's been a 20 percent increase in conversations online in arabic about books and reading Aklam, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, Andrea. You know, with with what we've seen at the festival year on year, we see an increase in Arab audiences uh, very visibly, whether it's uh, on the day of uh, Emirati literature or just world literature in general, we see young Emirati audiences more and more interested. Um, and, you know, in, in the Arab world, we have a fragmented publishing industry. We don't have uh, an advanced um clear processes and clear distribution of books uh, like the publishing industries and more advanced markets in, in this area, such as the UK and the US, Australia, maybe India, you know, there's a lot of, frag there's a, you know, it's a fragmented sort of um, scene when, when you look at the publishing industry, there's a lot of little publishers doing independent work, but you don't have the big publishers you know, churning out new literature year on year in a clear way with big marketing budgets that, you know, put them in bookshops all over the Arab world simultaneously, big marketing campaigns. And that's the issue that, that we do face. However, you know, uh, the Arab audience is um, more and more interested in independent books that they find in, in, in publishers within their region and then also read quite a lot of world literature whether it's in translation or in English. And the study was um, really, really interesting because for organizations like us at the Emerson Literature Foundation, um, it really helps looking at uh, the state of, you know, the literary ecosystem in our region as it is right now so that we understand where the gaps are, we understand 
who we're speaking with, you know, particularly the profiling of the readers was really interesting for us because that tells us who to cater to, who to speak to, whether it's through our programming, whether it's through our initiatives. But there's been a number of initiatives uh, in our foundation that looks at filling the gaps um, in the lit literary ecosystem. We started with the Katib Maktoub project in uh, September of 2020 because over the years we had trouble searching for uh, organized data about Arab authors online. You know, you would think that's such a simple thing or wouldn't probably understand why that doesn't exist, but quite a lot of the Arab names are common and search engines don't always find the right names. And uh, there's been a, a big shortage of information and data on Arab authors and Arab literature on Wikipedia in particular. Um, so we focused on this and we formed a team that uh, researched and created pages on Arab authors on Wikipedia. And when we started in September of 2020, there was 1,400 pages on Arab authors in the Arabic language and about 800 in English. Um, and today in Arabic and English group together, we're at about 15,000 pages and it's only been uh, le less, less than two years. So just a focused effort on that, I think has really advanced the way that people search for Arab authors and what information is available out there. And um, the viewership of those pages have increased since we started this initiative by 150%, which is fantastic. You know, we want the world to know about Arab authors. We want Arabs to know about Arab authors, but then also we want them to have those global opportunities where they're invited to international festivals, where they are being translated as well. So this, this project is particularly very strategic for us and an important service. Um, to the literary ecosystem. And then there's other initiatives like the Writing Fellowship that we just started, you know, making sure that we are creating a rich and diverse group of uh, locally based writers that come from all over the world, but live in the UAE, write in English and Arabic. And um, the Writers Fellowship is an extensive program of 40 hours of structured learning from the best writers, agents, publishers from around the world, and then one-to-one -one mentorship with very well-known writers from around the world as well. So we're looking at where the gaps are and how we can um, create solutions for the different areas, whether it's creating readers or creating writers. This is really interesting. And, and like you said, uh, uh, the Katab Maktoub initiative has grown the visibility of author, Arab authors online hugely. But it's not actually just the foundation stuff that's doing that work, is it? You've sort of started the snowball rolling and now other people have picked it up? Yes, yeah, so it's through training volunteers. So that's how Wikipedia or the data culture online works, where it's volunteers that believe in the importance of free information being available to all. And we're just cultivating that culture here, here in the UAE and the Arab world. So we do lots of training courses for volunteers who are interested in contributing to Wikipedia. And we teach them the way to do it because, you know, you, it's, it's got to be um, based on reliable sources. You know, people can't be telling their own narratives. You've got to find, you know, either books or um, cited articles that talk about uh, the journeys of all of these authors. So it's a very specific way of writing. So we teach them the technical side, but then that also makes sure that the data is clean and follows global standards. And it's not just, it's not just people based here that are interested in Arab literature is it we're absolutely. seeing interest from from everywhere absolutely and um i think you know the Dohal Harthi, for example being uh selected as a part of the um you know winning the booker prize has you know really 
uh, at the time, I remember, brought a lot of attention to the region uh, in terms of regional narrative. Um, we go to London Book Fair every year. We've just come back this year. And even when talking to publishers and talking to rights teams, we see the interest in regional narrative because diversity is such a big topic right now in, in, pub, in the publishing industry. And I think readers all over the world are hungry for new stories. Um, and so it's really I think that it's the time for narrative from the region to go global. On that note, speaking about prizes, Truda, you've been working with the world's biggest literary prize, the Booker Prize, as well as the Bailey Gifford Prize for nonfiction. Could you tell us about the impact of literary prizes, not only on the winning book, which we know starts selling like hotcakes, but is there also a halo effect from that? Yeah, so I mean, the received wisdom is that it's just the winners who who benefit and that they take all. And it's true that in terms of, you know, really massively increased sales, uh, be, being the winner is huge. Um, but we've seen some really fundamental changes happening. So it's with, for example, the International Booker Prize. So that has been since 2016, that's gone to an indiv individual book um, with the author and the translator uh, winning, um, you know, equal amounts. And we've seen not only um, that um, specific languages uh, have, have come into focus. So, for example, uh, the first winner was the, the Vegetarian by Han Kang translated by Deborah Smith, and people are now completely mad for South Korea. I went to a, an event talking about French literature and they said, oh, no one wants to read French literature anymore. They just want to read South Korean. And that just happened within a couple of years. The bookseller just last week published a new piece of research on translation. And the received wisdom has been that in the UK, it's about 3% of books that, that um, are published that are in translation, but actually they found it's now 11%. So that's partly, um, based on things like manga, which are very, very popular at the moment. But but the second category is literary fiction. So I'm sure that, you know, that, that increased uh, focus on translated fiction that the International Booker Prize has, has brought has made a difference to that. And that's also shown by the fact that Polish is the third most translated language at the moment. And you probably know that Olga Tokarczuk won the International Booker and then went on straight away in a rather copycat way to win, win the Nobel. Um, so I think that that's had a huge uh, effect as well. Uh, and we've definitely found um, the last few years in non-fiction that's been rising hugely. And all of the winning Bailey Gifford Prize books have been Sunday Times bestsellers, which has been amazing. I think people are catching on to the fact that non-fiction can be as entertaining and as uh, narratively driven uh, as fiction. So we've had some brilliant winners there. There's like Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe, which won this year. Um, a fantastic book uh, about the Sacred Dynasty, which really is a page turner and um, the five by Hallie Rubenhold which looked at um, the women who were murdered by Jack the Ripper and completely turned that story on its head and again all of these books have gone on to be Waterston's non-fiction book of the month and to sell in the thousands so it's really gratifying to see that effect that prizes have not just on specific books but on genres on uh, shining a spotlight on places in the world but of course the International Prize for Arabic Fiction as, as Natalie mentioned you know, the whole way that that works is that it gets more books translated into English. So um, as soon as they win, they then kind of get lots more um, exposure around the world. Natalie, a question for you. A big portion of this white paper talks about the significance of social media for authors and books. And one of the things I find the most fascinating about this part of it 
is a reader interaction. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. And um, we found it particularly fascinating. During our research process, we looked at 73 million audience, author, publishing industry um, interactions. And nowhere, you know, was the idea that there really is a great reading author community playing out more than on social media. So that's something that's really thriving. The idea of these fandoms is something that we're seeing a lot of and these great communities that have really sprung up. And it's really heartwarming to see some of the authors who are multi-million, you know, dollar, huge bestseller, best-selling authors really talking one-on-one with their audiences. So we see that a lot on Twitter. We see it on Instagram. Um, we see it obviously BookTok, which we'll talk a bit about um, as well. But it's fantastic to really see, you know, their readers actually been able to speak with the author. And they're really, you know, they're having a great opportunity to do things such as name a minor character. Even authors are saying, right, who's in, you know, X part of the world? You know, does this sound right? Or where's the best coffee shop? Or what, what, what's the kind of dialect? Does this fit with, you know, what I'm putting in my book? So, you know, and even interactions where authors are saying about when they're going on their book tours, thank you for your help, looking forward to seeing you on my book tour, etc. So that is something that we're really seeing a lot of as well. So um, we expect that that will continue to grow and grow and grow even more. So from all of this, it's very clear that reading and literature is thriving, not just in the Middle East, but globally. But who are the readers in the region? Is it something beyond books that they all have in common? Absolutely. Um, So I really do encourage everyone to download the report, um, the white paper, to take a read of it. What it does, um, it goes into great depth on um, what the trends are. And we've actually identified six audiences that are really driving not just what's being read, but how it's being read and what people are writing about. So um, we're very excited about that. I will touch on some of them, but in terms of what they have in common, so they speak English, Arabic, many are bilingual or multilingual, they're different ages, but what's particularly fascinating is that the audiences don't necessarily cross age groups often, um, they cover the whole of the region, and what they have in common is, you know, for many it's their love of books of, and reading, and f- for some as well, what we've discovered that we have found some lapse readers who have come back to reading. So I'll touch on the first one, who's Cultural Khaled. Um, I'm sure many of you know a Cultural Khaled. Um, Um, He represents 5% of the audience who are driving and really shaping the way literature is being produced. Um, He works within the cultural scene and he's often found at bookshops. And one day he's going to be making his mark on the literature scene with a book of his own. So let's watch out for him. The next we have um, self-improver Shema. So Shema is a person that we um, might even recognise a little bit of ourselves in. I think I'm a Shema myself. Um, She was previously very very career focused and what she's done is take a real step back so what she reads now is publications and books that are focused on health fitness well-being mental well-being and how she can really improve herself so she represents 18 percent of the audience that are driving those sorts of books that we're seeing often when we're in a bookshop that is self-improvement and those those are really growing whether it's audio books or whether it's um other types of, of of written materials and then one that i also love is knowledgeable nadim so again he's 24 percent of the audience so he's a quarter of our type of person that's really driving this new output that we're seeing 
seeing. What's interesting about him is that as he's reading, he's on his device, so he's seven times more likely to use social media networks such as LinkedIn, Medium on Reddit. So he's really interested in the technology, the science. He wants to know how things work. For him, he lives a really fast-paced life. So he really needs to make sure that his books and his learning is really on point and up to speed. And then we have Jen Z. Zayner. Um, for her, she loves to have a book. So she will curl up with her book, physical book, as Truda mentioned earlier. So for her, she's really pushing and focusing on young adult fiction. Um, she wants to make the world a better place. She's also focused on sustainability and the environment. Summer reader Sarah, so she is probably our traditional mum who would who was read books whilst on holiday. But for her, the way she's changed is that she's really making sure that she's part of that community. So whereas she used to be part of a book club and not turn up, now she's there. She attends, she engages, she's online, and she reads a lot more. She's really prioritised books a lot, and she's twenty eight percent of our audience. And then finally, we have Next Gen Nema, who I have quite a few nemas that I work with um, in my day-to-day -day life. He's just 2%, but he will be that person that we'll be seeing a lot more of in the next 10 years. So he's about philosophy, about purpose, the meaning of life. So he's really open to new ideas. And he's the one that's constantly now on, on um, watching um, book talk. He follows bookstagrammers and he's all about the recommendations. So for him and his peers, he wants to know what's happening. So watch out, watch out for Next Gen Nimmer. So that's our six audiences. You know, uh, Next Gen Nimmer, he, uh, I see a lot of this because I, I do talks at high schools from time to time and just kind of explain the industry, what we do at the foundation, how they can look into, you know, studying subjects that relate to literature or, or pursuing careers in literature. And I, you know, two things that always stand out to me. One is that in the UAE, high school students still aren't looking at becoming a writer as a full-time profession. They, they see it as something to do on the side or, you know, they write poetry in, in their creative writing courses and they see it as a hobby or something they enjoy on the side. It's not a real job. And I think the more that we evolve the literary ecosystem, the more they will start to take this profession seriously. But the other thing is the, the second half of my sessions, I always leave to open Q&As. And I'm always so fascinated with the big questions they ask about life. Like, you know, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? And when did you find your happiness? What, how do you define happiness? You know, how do you define success? And they're, they're kind of asking these big questions, big philosophical questions about life very early on. Uh, and I think they're concerned about the world they're going into. Um, so so I, I definitely think there are a lot of numbers uh, in high schools these days. And although they may not be in the book conversation online, usually yet. Yeah, I agree that they definitely will be. Growing audience. Mm -hmm. Definitely. They'll be the ones that change the world as well. Right. So if you have not been able to tell which one of these audiences you fit into yet we will have a little quiz and that will also be linked in the show notes so you can find out what kind of reader you are as I said before there's a link to the full white paper in the show notes too so you can read up on all the different trends and get all those big numbers that we've talked about this has been a fantastic conversation thank you so much thank you Truda thank you Natalie thank you Aklan and thank you all for listening